Welcome to Growing Up Boomer. I'm your host, Padre, with my co-host, Cotton. And this podcast is dedicated to the life and times of the baby boomer generation. The show is loosely scripted, and sometimes we'll go down rabbit holes, and where it leads us to, one will never know. This podcast can be informative, funny, and sometimes irreverent. But most of all, we hope you find it entertaining. Hey, Cotton, how you doing, my man? Very well, and yourself, Padre. Oh, man, I cannot complain, <laughs> you know? Sure you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, you know the reason why I retired? Why is that? Is because uh, when I was with my old company, you know mm-hmm. they had how they do the amplitude test? Yes. Well, what they found out was I was best suited for retirement. <laughs> Your job is <laughs> you need to retire, man. <laughs> <laughs> That was oh. all your bosses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're going like, yeah, we did your amplitude test, and it looks like you're uh, you're good enough to retire. <laughs> Get that hell out! Of here. <laughs> you know, you know, you're getting old when your doctor uh, refers you to an uh, to an archaeologist. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I need a referral. <laughs> oh, hey, Cotton, you know what? I've got to uh, apologize. Uh, to our audience, because as you know, I was took a little uh, sabbatical to uh, Monterey, California, last oh, week. Beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful a gorgeous. You're right. Yeah. You you were absolutely right. I know Kathy somehow got me to get in some pictures, and her family is kind of short, little. Uh, yeah, like five foot two. You know, all, all her sisters like five <laughs> foot two. Here I am, about six yeah. foot two. I look like Andre the Giant. They took one picture, and she goes. Could you have made us look any smaller? <laughs> and I'm hunched over a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you do kind of look like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing on Monterey, which was very, very interesting, uh, is that, you know, it's been around for quite some time, but they, uh, they have that uh, area called Cannery Row. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a beautiful area. Uh-huh. And you know how it got its name, Cannery Row? How's that? is because that's where they used to can all the sardines. Really? Yeah, yeah, in that area. They used to can all the sardines. And, we, you know, we went to the um, the aquarium there. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm not a big guy about looking at fish. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> oh, more fish. You know, but, you know, everybody wanted to go because we just get together. You know, we all have a great time. And, you know, it's one of those things that, we, hey, we don't have any kids around. It's just an adult thing. That means we get to take naps and we get to get to bed early. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So we did the 17 mile drive and uh, we went through the Pebble Beach area and it's just gorgeous. Just, just great, great. So we had a good That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Remember the old adage from the 19th century and probably most of the 20th century that said children should be seen and not heard? If you, oh, yeah. you remember that? Yeah. And yep. that, yeah, our, our parents used to say that, but that didn't help. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but that didn't help. We still made all kinds of noise. I have discovered how you can do that. Give them a phone because they're on the phone. We take them to dinner and the kids are on the phone the entire time. You can't, you know, they won't say a word. That's it. <laughs> it's funny. But, oh, yeah, but it was just a just a wonderful, wonderful time. Beautiful area, you know. You need to go up there and take and have a have a look at it. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So good enough to do that kind of stuff now too. So that's yeah, great. yeah, that's right. 
Well, the other thing is, if you recall, when uh, I usually talk to you about what we're going to talk about the next podcast. Yeah. You, know, you notice I didn't send you anything? Because we're going to talk yes. sports, and I know you wouldn't have read it anyway. That is probably correct. <laughs> you are correct, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why we're going to talk about it is because the NFL, the regular season starts next week, and so this podcast is going to be some of the first that were done during uh, the baby boomer years on the NFL. Oh. Yeah, because you didn't know this, that the NFL and the AFL were two different conferences. In other words, they were actually two separate companies that were combating for the audience until they merged oh. in 1970. Wow. But we'll go over that a little bit. But also coming okay. up this weekend is Labor Day. Yes, that's true. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, Monday. Labor Day. Yeah. It's, it's the celebration of workers and their achievements is what it is. Oh, that's where babies okay yeah right. that's where it originates from during the american okay. uh, industrial revolution you know in the late 1800s in the united states get this this sounds like us okay the average worker worked 12 hours a day <laughs> yeah seven days a week and they were just irking out a basic living that sounds like retail yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, and even though some states had restrictions, then we still had five and six-year-olds in the mills. <laughs> you know, forget the child labor, you laws. We're putting you in the mills, in the factories, and in the mines because you can get in the little spots real easy. <laughs> you know, because they had to get the kids involved because they wanted to make sure they got more money. All right, and of course, this didn't help because the kids didn't get educated, and that's all they could ever do. And what happened was that Americans had had enough. They started uh, riots and strikes because companies would say, we're not making any money, so we're cutting your pay. <laughs> they're, they're barely, you know, irking out a living, and, oh, we're cutting your pay, by the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, the uh, Haymaker was the first riots in which it took place in Chicago in 1886. In New York City as well, 10,000 workers took unpaid time off to march from City Hall to Union Square. And that was known as holding the first Labor Day parade. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Now, on the what happened was in 1886 in the Haymaker riots, uh, the Chicago police, there were there were several Chicago policemen and workers were killed. I mean, you know, when we talk about riots back then, they were pretty deadly. So that was the whole idea of a worker's holiday was started back then. Then the big one, which really got the notice of the American people when the uh, American Railroad Union went on strike. The 1894 is when they went on strike, the employees of the Pullman Palace Car Company. So they went on strike wow. to protest wages and firing of the union representatives. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. you know, because, you know, they had union representatives working there. Ah, you're out of here. All right. So they go on strike. What ends up happening was that in order to break the strike, Pullman calls in a federal government and they dispatch troops in which killed dozen workers. They didn't mess around then. They yeah. said, okay, we're going to break up the strike. Yeah. I know what. We'll shoot them. <laughs> you know? So they ended up. So that, yeah. And that finally got the notice of Washington, in which case the president, Grover Cleveland, then signed into law 
the Labor Day. Wow. So yeah, so it became a holiday, and so it, it, it they believe that uh, gets credit for it is a gentleman by the name of uh, Peter J. McGuire for the American Federation of Labor. They believe he's the one that really got the uh, the uh, Labor Day type of started. Oh yeah, very interesting stuff. Now interesting. Now here we go. We lost yes. one of the lead guitarists for Dire Straits. Remember Dire Straits? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. Well, I got their top 10 hits. Which one would you think is their top hit? Money for Nothing. That's exactly what I thought. But it isn't. Really? No. I was shocked. Oh, <laughs> I was shocked, I tell you. All righty. Get this. It's called Tunnel of Love, which I don't remember at all. All right. That's they said their number one hit was Tunnel of Love. Number two was Private Investigations. Number three, Romeo and Juliet. Number four, Brothers in Arms. Uh, Telegraph Road, Once Upon a Time in the West, Going Home, Down the Waterline. And number 10, Money for Nothing. I would think that they would be the number one, number one people. Yeah. I thought, oh yeah. man, nothing, money for nothing, and the chicks are free. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That was the only one I knew that they did. Yeah. Tatars was named Jack Sonny. That was his name. He was 68, just passed away. Okay. Oh. He was known as the other guitarist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would you like that? <laughs> yeah, I'm the other guitarist. The rhythm guitarist. Yes. yes. Yeah, the, the other guitarist uh, yeah. during the, uh, during the uh, Brothers in Arms era for Dire Straits. Now get this. He was born in Indiana, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I looked it up. Yeah, I looked it up. And it is just a small little town. Even smaller than yeah. the town I live in. Alrighty. Oh. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the, the 20th census would put like a little over 14,000 people in there. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> we get more people crossing the border every day. I know exactly, <laughs> but a little town of about fourteen thousand people looks as it looks like our downtown. Just you know, just really cute as all get out. All right. And so uh, he ended up actually quitting Dire Straits in nineteen eighty eight to uh, raise his twin daughter. So he quit the group and get this, he became his second career. He was marketing executive for Seymour Duncan, Riviera Guitar Amplifiers. For a couple of years, he's director of marketing communications at Line Six, and uh, which is a manufacturer of digital products for musicians. And in 2001, he became vice president of marketing marketing communications for Guitar Center. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, he did fairly well for a musician. He was way <laughs> up there, you know. And get this: after he was all done with that, he did that for a few years. He, uh, in the summer, uh, he left the Guitar Center to write books. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He wrote books, and he was a resident uh, uh, a house manager of a live, of literary arts in Martha's Vineyards until it closed in uh, 2017. Here you go. This is in memory of him right there. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> and then uh, he ended up returning to music, and he was playing with his band called Leisure Class. Oh really? Yeah, never yeah. heard of that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it was he was probably just keeping himself busy. But he was sixty-eight yeah. years old, young man. Okay, let's get into the podcast. I know you're not a big sports guy. I know you this don't one have will to worry about me arguing with. Yeah. You. <laughs> 
or 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 even saying anything at this point, right? There you go. <laughs> no there jokes, because I have no jokes about football or anything I mean to do with sports. <laughs> All right. Now it is said that the National Football League was created in 1922. So let's get a backgrounds before we get into the uh, the baby boomer era. Right. Okay. So it's a, but in reality, professional football football started about 1889 and the thing about professional football it was a uh, byproduct of rugby and get this oh yeah get this they didn't do a forward pass till 1906 they had no idea what a forward <laughs> pass was and some guy in, in some college threw a forward pass and they're wait you can't do that and was, what are the rules but the fans loved it and so the forward pass because you know rugby i mean ah man you ever watch rugby? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh jeez, man! They don't even have pads on. No, they just beat the hell out of me. <laughs> My daughter, when she was going to college, met this young man. He was going to college for I can't remember what it was, but he was also in the Marines, and he was going to become a jet fighter pilot. So he was in the Marines, and uh -huh. he was you know, and he's studying. I don't know what he was studying, but he was required to get some degree uh, so he can go into uh, into the uh, academy for aviators so I, he would come over and I'd talk with him and he's got this nasty scar right right here on his lip right and he's yeah. got scars everywhere and i said man is this boot camp that bad and he says nah this is all from rugby <laughs> and he would wear a t-shirt say rugby players eat their young <laughs> just a tough tough sport yeah they also say that's where soccer also originated from, was from rugby as well. Oh, did you ever see the, that movie Leatherheads with uh, George Clooney? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, is that a great movie? About the, the, it is. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I love George Clooney comedies. Yeah. His romantic comedies. and the, I mean, Oh, Brother, Where Art yeah, Thou? Yeah. I mean, how funny is yeah. that one? <laughs> and Leatherheads. Remember the last scene? Oh, rules will be the ruin of this game. <laughs> <laughs> rules rules are going to ruin this game <laughs> but basically it started in in uh, 1922 the nfl the first president was mm -hmm. jim thorpe of the nfl was who jim thorpe oh yeah okay yeah he was the first president of and it was actually not called the nfl at the time it was called the apfa which stands for the american professional football association Wow. Yeah. It was about 10 teams. He was there for about, uh, I think, two or three years or something as a president. But over, yeah, over the years, it was created into a, uh, into called the National Football League. Then in 1935, they started the draft because what happened was that all the great teams, right, were getting all the good players. <laughs> it just, it would be just like, okay, we have the Yankees. And the Dodgers, and they're buying all the good players because they got all the money, <laughs> right? So they started yeah. the draft so yeah. the, the teams that didn't have a lot of capital could actually uh, uh, getting a decent players, you know, for their franchise. Yeah. I think they were called, uh, the gentleman started, I think his name was Brett Bell, I believe. He was an owner, I think, of the, um, which the team now is the Eagles. So oh, that, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. So that was, a, that was one of the things he did, too, so. 
They also, I think he's also credited for scheduling the scheduling type of football games because, you know, I mean, everything wow. was pretty, pretty off the, off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, let's go play. Okay. <laughs> you know, to actually have that. Um, and this is interesting too, is that the first uh, African-American to be, uh, to sign a contract in the NFL was uh, Kenny Washington for the uh, LA Rams in 1946. So yeah, so he was, uh, and he was a three-time uh, uh, Pro Bowler. So he was very, very wow. good. Yeah, he is actually. It's kind of like he is the first for the modern day. Just kind of like uh, Jackie Robinson is the first African American to play in modern baseball. Okay, mm-hmm. they, they say the first African American was actually Moses Fleetwood Walker, was the one who actually was the first African American to play in the 1800s. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. But actually, uh, I believe it was Charles Fullis. Fullis. Yeah, I think that's his name. Charles Fullis was actually the first African-American to play, I think it was in 1902, for the Shelby Athletic Club. Uh, so They didn't make a movie out of him. They probably should, huh? Oh, also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, there's a um, first, not referee, but the first official African-American was Earl Tulin. He was actually the first African-American to be an official in the NFL. I think it was, uh, wow. me, well, yeah, I think he, he did for 25 seasons. He started in 1965. And he was a, like a field judge and a line judge, you know, because, I mean, they've got like, yeah, because they've got like the referee, which is the top guy. That's a guy that's always, you know, the guy on the mic. You know, yeah. he always called, you know, he's always <laughs> saying, okay, this penalty is that. They had the referee, yeah. they got the field umpire, which kind of oversees everybody. And then you got the, the down judge, the line judge, the field judge, the side judge, and the back judge. So in other words, here come the judge. How about the fudge judge? <laughs> Did he bring in desserts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have all of these all of these different players or all of these different positions, but the first, the first actually referee of African-American descent. I believe his name was Johnny Guerin, I believe is his name is. But he was the first one to actually um, be a referee, the head, the, head, the head guy. And I think he did wow. it from my... He was, a, he was in the NFL from 1981 to, I think it was like, I was reading uh, 2004, but he became a uh, referee in 1988. So he was, he was pretty well up there. So... Let's get into now, pres- not present day, but baby boomer day. <laughs> what Uh-oh. what happened in yeah in the NFL during the baby boomers? Now in 1970, this was big. If you remember Monday Night Football, oh you don't yeah. remember? You never probably even watched it. I know I'd go in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> this was big time. Oh, on ABC every Monday Night Football started on September 21st, 19. 19- 1970 between the New yep. York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns won that game. Man, it had uh, Howard Cosell, Don Meredith, oh, yeah, Howard and Keith Cosell. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, and then every so often they would have other people coming in like Frank Gifford and O.J. Simpson. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was always a very interesting. I remember Howard Cosell, he was like the guy. And then yeah. we have uh, uh, it, in 1978, Right, this was a big thing here, right there. That was called the miracle 
at Meadowlands, which occurred in uh, November 19, 1978. And this was when the New York Giants had the game in control. All right. They had everything. All right. It was like all they had to do was take the final minute of the clock to secure the victory. What do they do? They try to ha have a uh, handoff, <laughs> and the guy fumbles the ball. <laughs> a guy from the Eagles scoops it up and runs all the way to the end zone, and they lose oh, the game. <laughs> now, this is what they do now. You remember how they take a knee? Right, you know, I don't know if you ever know football. They run the clock off by now taking the knee, so that way they continues yes. to run. Well, what they do mm -hmm. now, if you notice, there's always a guy a little bit in the back, just in case something does happen. <laughs> the guy, if he scoops it up, doesn't have a, a clear run to the end zone. So next oh. time at the end of the game, if you're they're just taking a knee, there'll always be somebody behind the quarterback. Just in case. Uh, you know, so, yeah. so that's always good. Instant replay was actually uh, passed in 1986. You know, oh, you like would think they'd have ago. instant replay all the time. Yeah. You know, but it wasn't yeah. wasn't passed till 1986. Wow. Do you remember this one? I don't know if you were you were just a mere child at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm already in high school. Okay. Yeah. 1967. <laughs> Okay, the Ice Bowl. Remember hearing anything about that? December 31st, 1967, between the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. This was oh, playing I for was the... actually 10 years old. <laughs> I know, you're just like, you're a baby. <laughs> you're not even a teenager yet. <laughs> well, get this now. The game, right, this was for mm -hmm. the NFC Championship. They're playing in Green Bay because they're hosting. Green Bay is hosting the game because they are the better team. At kickoff, it's mm -hmm. 15 degrees, degrees below zero at the kickoff. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. They say the wind chill factor was running anywhere from 44 to 48 below zero. Wow. <laughs> In Lambeau Field. <laughs> now, you know, the, you know, of course, the weather service says, okay, there's going to be intense weather conditions. Do they stop playing? No. <laughs> <laughs> they still play. It is said that when the referees, the first time they went to blow the whistle, it stuck yeah. to their lips. Kind of kind of like the uh, uh, Christmas story. I double dog dare you and the kid <laughs> yeah, puts his, yeah, and they ripped their lips. Thank goodness it was yeah. so cold because the blood froze. <laughs> so from then on, they had a yell out. They had a yell. Yeah. So they had a yell. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and needless to say the you know the packers defeated the cowboys 21 17 wow yeah now get this you're getting a team from the sun belt <laughs> from texas <laughs> to go up to the to the tundra oh i'm surprised they scored yeah. 17 points I'd have said I'd pull exactly. I'd pull the team off the thing and say, "Man, it's too cold. We ain't playing here. You got it. <laughs> it's all yours." <laughs> and nowadays, nowadays they probably have heaters built in. Oh yeah. Well, this is the thing. 
The heaters failed. There were sheets oh, really? of ice on the heaters. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just just un unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now yeah. that you know what? And this one this one was great. The Immaculate Reception in nineteen seventy two. This was an awesome one. You see this on replays all the time. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Oakland Raiders. And this was December 23rd, 1972. The Raiders are up like just by one point. It's seven to six. Wow. The Steelers have the ball on their own 40-yard line. There's less than 30 seconds to play. So old Terry Bradshaw, which is funny. You've seen Terry Bradshaw in some movies, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, he's oh, hilarious. Yeah. He's he's great. Yeah. He heaves yeah. his big old pass downfield, kind of like a Hail Mary, and the ball <laughs> ricochets over to Franco Harris. The guy almost like shoelaces the ball, picks it up, runs into the end zone, and the Raiders lose 13-7 to due oh, to the immaculate man. reception. How 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 good is that, man? You know, oh, here it is. Doop, here it is. <laughs> but yeah, thanks to that, that was it. But that's okay because they were eliminated the next week by the Miami Dolphins. Oh. So the Raider fans have kind of got their revenge because uh, the the Dolphins would have probably beat them too. Dolphins were just oh, awesome yeah. that year. Oh yeah, the Dol oh. Dolphins in 1972. Whew, couldn't couldn't help it. Oh. <laughs> Oh, wildcard teams are then included in the playoffs uh, in 1970. National League decided to put its own in uh, wildcard. Second edition, 1978, oh. they increased it uh, schedule to uh, 16 games. Remember, everybody was, so they have more wildcard games. Remember, everybody was all upset because we're only playing 14 yeah. games, and now they're, now they're playing 16 <laughs> games. This yeah. one, this oh, one boy. I remember because I was rooting for the Cowboys only because it was a 49er. The catch. <laughs> Do you remember the catch? I don't no. know if you remember. Were you ever at the the shows when uh, uh, Dwight Clark was signing autographs? No. I got to have dinner with him. Really? Oh, what a gentleman! It, it, it was called the catch. It was Joe Montana's pass to Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone? He goes up and snags that ball. Just why? I mean, it goes up like that and snags the ball. Montana wow. had thrown the ball because either either it's going to be incomplete or only one person can catch it, and that would be Dwight Clark. Great, And great. he did it with one hand? Well, I think it was one hand or two. Let me see. I got a picture here. Nope, it was two hands. I got an autographed okay, picture. Say, yeah, and I mean, he's in the air. He's got some air underneath him, you know, and he picks it up. He catches it, and what a gentleman when I met him. Oh, yeah. You know, he goes around, and he... Shake, you know, you were walking, he shakes hands and says, Oh, I'm Dwight Clark. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, like, yeah, like who doesn't know that? The catch, Did man. You go down on your knees and go, Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Oh, I'm not worthy. <laughs> but yeah, it was called the catch. Excellent, excellent. Just a gentleman. And my kids, I don't know what happened. I think there were switches birth. One of them is a big 49ers fan. I mean, just he, 49ers can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and Dwight Clark is like right across from me and we're talking, right? And so I get out my phone. I text my son. Guess who I'm having dinner with? 
Dwight Clark and I can touch him. <laughs> I can reach out and touch him. I am so close. <laughs> and right away, it comes back. Give me an autograph. <laughs> so he was a gentleman. He gave me three autographs. I said, can I have three? You know, I gave them to each one of my you know, the kids that like the Ford, the 49ers. Oh, that's great. Oh, that yeah, yeah, great. yeah, yeah. And I have my mine up on my, the, I have mine up on my wall. Johnny, What's that? And remember, remember the Johnny Bench? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We got yeah. those, too. I remember when I yeah. shook it, shook his hand. I turned his hand a little bit. I want to see that ring. <laughs> what? I want that. I want that World Series ring in the picture. Okay. Yeah, I could have worn that on my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty big. He was also a gentleman yeah. as well. He was very, very yeah, good. But very what a so. catch. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, you know. And yeah. then, uh, oh, this one's a good one because the Raiders, you know, they're always getting messed. They're always getting screwed, okay? <laughs> the Heidi game in 1968. Do you remember that one? Oh, you probably don't remember that. No, I remember no. my dad was just upset. It was one of those games on Sunday and stuff like that. But it was in November 1968, and it was against the New York Jets. We're leading the Oakland Raiders 32-29. Oh. With a minute and 30 seconds left. <laughs> NBC decides to abruptly cut away to a movie, <laughs> the broadcasting movie, of Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and get this, there's like 90 seconds left in the game. The Raiders come back and win. <laughs> oh, you talk about some people being really upset. Not only did they win, they stomped them. Okay. They got a minute and third, get this. They got a minute, right? They have a minute and 30 seconds left. They're behind. Right, it's thirty-two twenty-nine. Oakland is, uh, you know, the New York Jets leading them. Oakland ends up winning forty-three to thirty-two. Yeah, not only did they, you know, it looks like not only did they uh, they score a uh, they touchdown, they also uh, probably did a field goal as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh man, that was a, that was that was bad. That was Not really a bad. Game, I bet. <laughs> that was the catalyst that said, "From now on, we play the games till the very end. No matter if they run into our regular broadcasting or not, we are done with that." The fans were just—they're uh, ready to kill people. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they would have come down with torches and clubs to the NBC headquarters, ready to kill people. <laughs> oh, you get this. In 1974, mm -hmm. this is sometimes the luckiest thing you can ever have is in the draft, right? Because you will have these guys, you know, they, they make it, but they, they don't become superstars. A lot of these guys don't become superstars, but they're a very intricate part of the team. Now, in 1974, the Pittsburgh Steelers draft class has four future Hall of Famers. <laughs> In the trade, <laughs> they got Len Swan, <laughs> Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, and Mark uh, Webster. Just, I mean, these are the guys that made the the dynasty of the Pittsburgh Steelers. In which case, they come up from the draft, all the same draft. I mean, you're lucky if you get one guy. Yeah, <laughs> but you get all all of these guys, you know, right? And the uh, uh, Swan, I think, went in the first round. I think he was number twenty one. 
I think Lambert went in the second round as number 46. Well, wow. Four, I think they picked up Stallworth. I think he was like number 82. And then round five, Webster at 125. <laughs> it's like it's like the 49ers picking up Pretty. I don't know if you know about, but 40, the Pretty is like yeah. was the last guy in the draft, became the starter, a great quarterback for the 49ers until he got hurt last year. He was like the last, wow. they pick him the last, they call him Mr. Irrelevant because he's like the last guy in the draft. <laughs> and this guy just bolts to the head of, I mean, this guy was fantastic until he got hurt. Oh. So things, <laughs> things like that happen. Uh, 1967, yeah. even though the AFC or the AFL and the NFL are not merged yet, played the first Super Bowl. It's Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, the Packers won. And this one in 1969, you cannot, you can't. Oh, this one was the the Super Bowl three was the Super Bowl for history. In which case, Joe Namath of the New York Jets predicts they're going to beat the Baltimore Colts. That was big. All right, because the Baltimore Colts were a dominant team. The AFC was looked upon as a secondary team. They're not that good, like a second-rate team. But no. Yeah. All righty. Now, yeah, now, last one, the perfect season for the Miami Dolphins. 1972, not only did they win all their games, they won the Super Bowl. There's only one other team that yeah, only one other team that came close, and that was the New England Patriots, in which case they lost the Super Bowl. But the perfect, perfect record all the way through Miami Dolphins are the only ones to do it. And so with that, Cotton, I think we're running a little late. So uh, why don't okay. we close that one? Because that's the best one to close one for the NFL. And <laughs> you have a great Labor Day, buddy. Yeah, oh, I'm too. sorry. We're retired. Every we day is Labor Day. More. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. You have a good one, okay? Uh, all right, you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, my man. Nos vemos después. We'd like to thank you for listening and leave you with this one quote. The best part about opening day in baseball is being one step closer to football season. And until next time, may God bless. <laughs>